everybody. Good morning, folks. Today is Thursday, September 22nd. Welcome to episode number 203 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, besides rocking out, we'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis to each of you on these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, we got you covered. You will be asked. You will be asked. How do you stay current? And, you know, if anyone's been uh, asked in, in an interview if they, how they stay current and if they've used Simply Cyber, uh, A, I'm happy that you did that. And B, let us know how it worked out. You know, I'd be kind of curious. Like, we are doing the legit work here. This isn't, this isn't fancy pants stuff. This is like, this is the briefing. Now, before we get into delivering hot takes on the top news, let me give a shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor. You can see their logos at the top of the promo card. First off, my good friend, Eric Taylor at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Now, cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Com. Also want to give love to Recon InfoSec. Listen, Recon InfoSec's managed detection and response MDR offering includes the people, the process, the technology needed to deliver full spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. Their MDR services include fully managed SIM and SOAR and customers gain full visibility into their own environments as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC. Guys, both of these companies deliver high value basically uh, kind of boutique services. It, they're security companies run by security people, so they fully understand what they're doing and they deliver high value. Uh, I assure you, they would most certainly would not be sponsoring Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing if I didn't think, if I didn't have the highest respect for both of these companies. Now, I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, just like this one right here, y'all, is worth half a CPE. Even though it's 45 minutes, we'll round down to half an hour. That way no one ever, uh, you know, tries to argue with you. Half a CPE, which stacks. If you're here all week, it's two and a half. If you're here for a month, it's 10. If you're here for a quarter, it's 40. You see where I'm going with this, guys? You're gonna be here anyways, engaging with the community, having a good time, high five and all around. Why not get credit for the CPEs? Just say what's up in chat, hashtag team live. If that's the, uh, if you're here with us live or hashtag team replay, if you're on replay, um, you know, so that's the good stuff. If you are live, I see 75 of you here, 78, everybody's stacking in here. I love it. Can't wait to get the show started. If you're on replay, thank you for catching the replay. Know that it's available on your iPod, uh, on your iPod, on your podcast, Apple. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's the show is available on your podcast app of choice. So if you just look for Simply Cyber in podcast apps, it'll show up. 
and you can listen to it that way or you can watch on replay on YouTube. And if you want to skip ahead because you're watching on replay, go for it. But if you're here live, you know what we're about to do. I'm going to have some sip of this coffee. I'm going to greet everybody. Welcome in the chat. Spend a few minutes saying what's up and get into the show. Can't wait. Yeah. Sick song. Thank you, Axel and GNR. All right. So let's, let's get some easy vibes, guys. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for the 10 o'clock start. Citadel went well today. We did labs. I taught the students how to install root kits on Win, uh, on Linux boxes and then how to detect those root kits effectively. Hey, just a bite. Good to see you. Joe Hudson. My man. Hey, can we get, can we get some, um, can we get some Oprah emotes in chat for my man, Joe Hudson, Joe Hudson, longtime friend of the simply cyber community and guy who just gives and gives value, uh, to our community. Thank you, Joe Hudson. Great to see you. Uh, if I had access to my chat right now, I'd be throwing Oprah, Oprah love. Joe gets love. Joe gets love. All right. Good morning, Injection. Hey, Mikkel Johnson. Not only IT, I see you. Michael Fink in there. Oh, Cyber Oprah. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ahmad. Hey, Pamela. Good to see you guys. Look at Joe Hudson. All these Oprahs are yours. Those are all for you, my friend. Oh, guys, we got a wicked busy day of streams today. We got the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. We've got two round three, uh, round two matches of the Threat Gen Red versus Blue Tournament. I am competing against Stacey Loki at 3 p.m. as Red Team. I can't wait. Hey, Munchkin, good to see you. Hey, Matt McDaniel for the win. Carrie's in the house. Good to see you guys. We've got live streams all day long. I'm basically live streaming four times today, so that's 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 why I doubled down on the coffee today. I hope everybody's well. I saw PNPT, the live sessions. Heath had to cancel that. That's kind of tough, but I saw if anyone was doing that, he did give some compensating uh, some compensation on that, which I thought was really nice. Joe Hudson, I love it. Good to see you, Tom Pike, Justin Gold. All the best to Stacey Loki today uh, in the match. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Carl Ron, good to see you. Birthday edition, I love it. I saw someone in here say that their daughter's fourth birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday to our younger Simply Cyber community members. Hey, Jay Smith, good to see you in ATL. Um, yeah, who's going to the ATL Cyber uh, Conference? Be good to know. Cyber Summit. Guys, Mac Wells is asking about the streams. Yeah, I've got a whole red team playlist today. That's kind of what the Welcome to the Jungle was alluding to. If you caught the stream yesterday, we I just rocked my face out. It was a face melter. A lot of people jamming in session. It was a really good time. Uh, the red team playlist I have made available um, on Spotify if you guys want to dig into that. And uh, we're, we're going to go ham. We're going to go ham today on Stacy. Make every effort I can in order to win. All right, guys. Um, I appreciate you all. Yeah, we'll do another listening party. Uh, I appreciate you all uh, uh, flexing to the 10 o'clock spot. Uh, to keep with our 45-minute uh, time frame, let's get into the news. Joe Hudson, I don't know if you recognize Wu-Tang, but that's what we're listening to right now, my friend. Triumph. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. 15-year-old Python bug causes problems. Back in 2007, a researcher submitted a path traversal bug in Python's tar file package, letting an attacker overwrite arbitrary files. Since then, the bug remains open with only a warning submitted to warn developers about the risk. The bug does not appear to be exploited in the wild, but could impact the software supply chain. 
A researcher at Trellix, Charles McFarland, rediscovered the bug. With help from GitHub, he determined that 588,840 unique repositories include the import tar file function in code, spanning a wide range of industries. McFarland estimates that around 60% of those contain the bug. Trellix released a patch in a forked version of the impacted repository. Wow. Okay, so you don't see this often. It's it's not uncommon for vulnerabilities to be disclosed and then people to just, I, I don't want to say ignore them, but not uh, pay respect to them. Um, this one, 15-year-old Python bug, pretty interesting. The fact that it was rediscovered by a security researcher is kind of crazy. The uh, headline says 350,000 projects. In the story, the actual reporter said over 500,000. So this is a much bigger issue than we would think. Uh, the if, if you're able to successfully exploit it, uh, you're able to do directory traversal, which means that you can kind of break out of the directory that you're in and go up uh, directories and then come back down. So you could actually you know, theoretically go up to the root directory and then come down into a binary directory or see Windows uh, directory, right? Where, where you could start calling executables, um, presumably. Uh, not, not great. You don't want this. Obviously, it's in the tar file extract function, which is also pretty common. Um, like tar is, you know, everywhere. I think it's a, I think it is the standard um archive unarchive uh executable in linux packages most linux packages so um the thing is you can't update i don't think you can update tar to get it to fix it's like the python well i guess python is an interpreted language so you could fix it like that you don't have to recompile any code or anything like that that's that's one of the cool things about python or about interpretive languages so long story short this is everywhere i don't this to me isn't like the internet's on fire kind of thing even though it is everywhere I suspect you'd have to kind of chain it together. You'd have to know what kind of system it was on. You'd have to know that you could, um, you'd have to convince someone to extract a file that could exploit the vulnerability. Uh, you know, a couple of different things would have to happen here. Um, I just find it interesting. Two things. One, that a bug would go 15 years unnoticed and just come up with warning. And then two, um, it really does lend credence to something that happens all the time in our industry. Guys, if anyone in chat has done this, then they know exactly what I'm talking about. If you run a vulnerability scanner in a production environment, you are going to get tens of thousands of results, like in a, in a regular sized environment, like anything that's like an actual business, right? And it seems overwhelming at first and then you turn off the informational ones and then you run it again and you still get like a thousand or two and some are critical, some are high, some are medium. So like those, the low ones and the medium ones with all due respect, most people don't give them the time of day, right? So if this one was in the Python and it was discovered and it was, you know, marked as like a low or a medium vulnerability, um, I could see where people would be aware of it and just disregard it because and you might be like, oh my God, how could you be so negligent, Jerry, ignoring the, the, the low and mediums? Here's the reality. We have low and medium, but we have high and critical. And, and granted, these are the values that the vulnerability scanner company gives it. So you do have to uh, adjust them for your own environment and situation and what assets the vulnerabilities are on. But at the end of the day, my priority is getting the criticals addressed then looking at the highs and trying to get those addressed. But new vulnerabilities come out all the time, all the time. 
So it's a game of whack-a-mole. And that's why, by the way, vulnerability management is its own discipline because you need dedicated, committed people who are going to be continuing to run that hamster wheel every time that a new vulnerability comes out. Rescan is a critical yes. We got to get that. You never have a chance to dig down deep enough to get to the medium vulnerabilities because people are just shoveling shovelfuls of vulnerabilities on top of you. Like it's like It's like digging a hole out and like you get 15 scoops out and then like someone just comes and like dumps a wheelbarrow in. Like, yeah, you can make progress, but it can be difficult. LinkedIn smart links used for phishing. LinkedIn provides smart links for sales navigator and enterprise users, letting them pack up to 15 documents in a single trackable link. These provide analytics about how they were viewed and shared. The analysts at Cofence observed campaigns of threat actors using them for phishing with Slovakian users, alleging to have come from the country's postal service. Using smart links better allows these emails to get through usual spam filters and provides useful analytics about how they're viewed and interacted with. Clicking through results in a phishing page that accepts payment and gathers further information on the victim. No word from LinkedIn if it's began an investigation of the practice. Okay, so we have a sample email here. It's kind of hard to tell. Cofence has put their watermark all over it. It's kind of hard to tell, but here's the deal, right? If you want to make a incredibly safe guess um like if you're trying to make like um like a security prediction for next year or whatever like or any year frankly and you want to make an easy guess anytime any anytime there is a capability to deliver documents in a way that is you know compressed or you know pushed to a back-end system or or will you know go through something that has high integrity like linkedin um Threat actors are going to use it. They're going to weaponize it, guys. Getting tricking end users is like where the jam is, right? If you look at all, like even the stories yesterday, it's it's less about sick malware, right? Like ransomware is a thing. Redline info stealer is a thing. But if you look at the actual like landscape of attacks, like social engineering is a high, high uh, attack vector, whether it's tricking you to do a fish, tricking you to call a number, tricking you to click on something, right? With this smart link feature, you know, I understand the intent of it, but the reality is LinkedIn is going to bundle up all these things, make one link to it, which would be, a, to me, it seems very much the equivalent to um, like a Google Drive and having a link that goes to a directory. So um, I, I would compare those two. But the thing is, all the files are kind of hosted in LinkedIn, it would seem. And when you get the email, it comes from LinkedIn. It looks legit. It's a link to LinkedIn, which looks legit. And it goes to some repo that LinkedIn's hosting, which is legit, right? And then you get malware, right? So obviously, um, LinkedIn has some work to do to kind of help manage the security of this. But I do want to remind everybody, LinkedIn is a business, right? I think they're owned by Microsoft now. But anyways, it's a business. They make money. They have a perverse incentive, capitalism, to... Enable, not enable this for threat actors, but they're not going to disable it. And if they're putting money in to uh, enhance this functionality and secure it from this type of abuse, that's going to cost them time and money, which isn't actually delivering any business value. Do you see what I'm saying? Right? So like they could spend a million dollars on developing another feature that they can sell or they could spend a million dollars on making it sure threat actors don't abuse this system in this way. If, and this is why 
security often gets pushed to the side when new products are being rolled out or baked or whatever. And we complain that security needs to be thought of at the beginning instead of bolted on afterwards. But this is why. It's money. It's Kimberly. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Um, so anyways, LinkedIn, obviously, they got some bad pub. Hopefully, reputational damage will um, motivate them to want to do something about this. But that's part of the problem with security functionality in, um, in products that aren't security products. U.S. military buys Augury network monitoring tool. According to documents seen by Motherboard, multiple branches of the U.S. military bought access to the Augury monitoring tool developed by the cybersecurity firm Team Simru. U.S. Senator Ron Wyden also said a whistleblower contacted his office, alleging that the Navy's civilian law enforcement agency used the tool without a warrant. Augury claims to cover over 90% of global internet traffic, letting analysts follow activity of a cyber actor and attribute attacks through petabytes of packet capture data. The Department of Defense Office of the Inspector General said it's investigating the whistleblower report. Wow. Okay. Um, there's a lot here. I, I want to go back and read this story. Um, I want to go back and read this story. This doesn't seem um, as invasive as PRISM. Um, if you're familiar with um, Edward Snowden and, and that whole thing. But... <laughs> Um, this sounds kind of like this. This kind of sounds like um, invasive and monitoring and um, surveillance, right? Now, uh, you know, the argument, and we saw this argument in George Orwell's 1984, right? If, if we can monitor everything, we can pick out the bad apples, right? We can, we can promote defense and security because we know everything, so we know where all the bad actors are and how they're coordinating and all that, uh, Patriot Act, et cetera. So I get it, but you real this is such a slippery slope, guys. And I talk about this, whether it's the FBI putting backdoors into iPhones or or any other kind of like um you know, godlike power on a system or access to data on systems, um, it can be abused because at the end of the day, it's a human or a group of humans, or a group being led by a human as a leader, um, who are making the decisions on who is the target, who is considered an enemy of the state, who is a threat actor, right? Where this isn't 1950s DC comics where it's very easy to see who the bad guy is and who the good guy is, right? So, um, you know, whistleblower uh, notified this. You know, some people might argue like, oh, this is a hit to national security. Uh, people are going to be able to slip through. But at, at the same point, at the same time, you have to ask, like, there's no oversight. They don't need a, a, a warrant to tap someone, right? It says right here, warrantless use. <laughs> warrantless use. So now it becomes um, kind of a military state, right, guys? You got to be got to be careful. It's a slippery slope. So anyways, I, that's all I'll say about this one. I am going to go back and dig into this a little bit. I'm kind of curious. I would expect this, if things shake out of this that are very bad, uh, not bad, but like um, invasive, uh, you know, rights invasive, uh, this could become a big, big story. So let me, uh, Simru, Simru, that's the, that's the company. We'll have to, um, how, this might come out how Team Simru actually gets all this data and then sells it. Meta tests letting people make policy. 
In his platformer newsletter, Casey Newton reports Meta hired the consultant firm Behavioral Insights team to bring Facebook users into its policy development process, testing around climate speech. This involved finding 250 people broadly representative of Facebook's user base. Over a two-week period, the group received virtual education. This included learning about climate issues and platform policies. Meta also provided access to experts and Facebook staff. Facebook offered a variety of possible solutions for problematic climate information, which the group voted on. It's not clear what specific policy recommendations the group made. BIT said the participants report high levels of satisfaction with the process and outcome. Meta plans to run further experiments with this approach. Okay, this is interesting. And uh, on its surface, I actually kind of like this idea. Guys, this is really no different than GRC people. We're real people too. Hold on. We're, do I have like a love one? GRC people. Okay. This, this is like no different than the GRC people going and talking to the business about how the business operates and then making policy that actually aligns with information security principles, but is practical and implementable for the business, right? Guys, I'm telling you right now, if you buy these like policies in a box uh, things, like just FYI, if you're building a program and like one of the first things you're supposed to do is get policy. It's not really the first thing you should do, but it's, it's the way that the frameworks would lead you to believe. You get policy. Well, how do you shortcut that? Well, you can go to websites and for 500 bucks, you can download all the, all the policies and they're not really tailored for your organization. And now you say, oh, check, we got a policy. But then no one's following them at the business because they're, not, they're, br they're either brittle, they're too rigid, they don't work for the business, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the right way to do it is to develop in concert with the business policies that can actually work and reduce risk and all these other things. And then when you need to enforce them, because Carl, Carl, because Carl wants to use some type of wacky third-party remote access tool on his endpoint, you could say, Carl, it's not like everybody's agreed that that's not what we're doing here. This is the policy. You either follow the policy or you're fired, right? But if you come up with some ridiculous, like over the moon policy, you won't have the ability to enforce it, which is what often happens. People just continue doing what they're doing. This is called checkbox compliance, checkbox cybersecurity. So anyways, Facebook experimenting with allowing the business, aka the user community of their product to be involved in helping develop policy. And I appreciate that they went one step further to educate those people and give them access to experts instead of just picking like, you know, 12 people who are wicked polarized over here and 12 people who are polarized on the other end and then just have them like duke it out and then come to a stalemate, right? I, I like this. They came up with a diverse population of people, gave them access to knowledge and then let them uh, develop policy. So way to go. Oh, come on, BSEC. Listen to me. GRC, GRC, if done right, has a place. Fancy! All right, light spice. And now thanks to today's episode sponsor, Six Clicks. Your GRC solution is only as valuable as the reports it can generate. Provide an exceptional analytics experience for all your GRC stakeholders with the Six Clicks reporting suite. Unlock powerful insights and provide compliance using dashboards and charts, pixel-perfect reporting, presentations, and data storytelling via LiveDocs. For more information, visit sixclicks.com slash CISO series. All right, let's just take a quick minute here. Let's just take a quick minute here for the break since we already have a natural break here. I want to do a couple things. Shout out to all of you, as always. I, I love 
the Simply Cyber community, guys. Thanks to our sponsors, Recon InfoSec and Barricade Cyber. Guys, really quick, want to remind you, if you're not getting the newsletter, I send it once a week, every Monday. It's in your inbox when you get to work, if you're in you know, the United States. And it has three actionable items for you to immediately implement to three different audiences and immediately deliver value, kick major butt before most people have had their cup of coffee in the morning. If you're interested, go to the URL at the top, just sign up. It's simple, straightforward. Many people in chat right now are receiving the email. I haven't heard a single person say something negative about the email. I'm not saying that those people don't exist. I'm just saying I haven't heard anything. I have heard significant amounts of people say positive things about the email. So don't sleep on this thing. Sign up, get the email. I, you know, I, I, I enjoy doing it. It takes me, you know, five minutes. And I feel like the amount of time I put into it versus the amount of value you guys would get out of it is definitely worth the time to invest in it and slide it to you. I want to just shout out really quick to Dan Reardon, AKA haircut fish. If I can get, the, can I get this and can I put this up here? Come on. Yeah. All right. So we have a quick meme for the uh, community. <laughs> uh, Dan Reardon created this. Can you see this? This is Carl. <laughs> this is Carl. Uh, so this is Dan Reardon's meme, meme of the week. Thursday memes, maybe from Dan Reardon. I haven't showered in weeks. How do I smell, Dad? Through your nose, through your nose, Carl. But you can see there, uh, my face is superimposed on, um, on uh, whatever his name is. I forget his name now. Jesus, it's been that long since he was on the show. So, anyways, thanks for the memes, Dan. Always nice to break up the show, break up the news with a little joke. Oh! All right, let's get back to the news. Rick, Rick Grimes. Starts rolling out search result takedown tool. At Google I.O. earlier this year, Google announced it would introduce a tool to let users request search result takedowns about themselves. As part of this, Google began rolling out a new results about you option in the Android Google app in the U.S. and Europe. This provides a page that explains how users can request removing search results that contain a phone number, home address, or other personally identifiable information. The tool also shows a dashboard to monitor requests in process to remove search results once submitted. Cool. Windows 11 update and security feature. Cool. This is, you know, way to go, Google. Like, Google has done, you know, say what you will about Google. I know that they harvest a lot of data and, you know, all of their tools are like one ecosystem and everything like that. But Google does provide the ability for you to export like everything about you and delete everything about you. Google also, from time to time, I don't know what the frequency is, but like, let's say quarterly or biannually, will prompt you and say, hey, like, do you want to take a look at your privacy settings, right? This is what it's going to take for people to take action on their privacy or at least actively acknowledge that they don't want to take action on it, right? So they're not burying it deep eight levels down and having you find it. They're bringing it to the forefront and enabling you to make a decision for yourself. This is the way it really needs to be in the future. I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind seeing some legislation that requires this level of uh, proactive intervention from the technical side for the end users. Uh, do appreciate that. Just looking at some of the uh, of what this does, I guess they'll be rolling it out, so expect to see it soon. But it, it allows you to see like where your personal information is actually being used, um, if it contains legal info, if it's outdated, if you want to uh, see this right here, request for approval, this or request for removal, this thing, this app, whatever, 
is using your address or using your email address or knows your GPS location, whatever, do you want to stop it? Yes, no, whatever. This is enabling individuals who desire privacy or at least want to try it out to be able to do that. I almost wonder, half of me almost wonders, okay? This is a hot take. Half of me wonders if this right here isn't because Google is awesome and, and cares about people. Half of me wonders if this is a direct response to Brave Browser growing in popularity, DuckDuckGo growing in popularity against Google search. And, you know, some of these alternative options, some of these competitors to Google's product suite that offer privacy. If Google's trying to, for lack of a better term, com combat head to head with these people in order to gain that market share or to uh, reduce the erosion of Google's market share on this space by offering um, comparative options. That, that's what I think, right? Again, why would I think this? Follow the money. <laughs> Straight, cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Randy knew it in 2007. Microsoft began rolling out Windows 11 version 22H2, its first major update since releasing the OS back in October. This includes a new smart app control feature, which uses artificial intelligence and a database of security signals to prevent scripting attacks. The update now enables hypervisor-protected code integrity and the vulnerable driver block list by default on new Windows 11 devices. Microsoft Defender Smart Screen will also now detect when entering passwords into known compromised sites. What? Um, okay. So there's a problem here. Um, okay. So first of all, let's talk about what it is on the surface. Windows 11, getting a whole bunch of new security features. Way to go, Microsoft. Thank you. Windows 11. I'm on Windows 11. I know it's basically like a skinned, it's like a Mac OS skinned Windows operating system, but whatever. There's this homogenous convergence of operating systems. People like the bubblegum GUI. So fine, whatever. They're adding security functionality. Love it, love it, love it. Um, many, 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 like, you know, like 80% plus or 90% plus of all corporate users internationally uh, use Microsoft. They have AD backend. So it's, you know, it's definitely in Microsoft's uh, interest to invest uh, in security as opposed to what I was talking about earlier with um, uh whatever that company was that I said invested, oh, LinkedIn, uh, wouldn't be motivated to invest. Now, here's where I have a problem. This is very cool. They added some AI capabilities and a database of 43 million security signals gathered by Microsoft daily to prevent scripting attacks. Very cool, very cool. This to me sounds more like an EDR solution, not an operating system solution, but okay, let's just say it is an operating system security control. So you don't, you could have a different EDR and stuff like this. People, if your computer is not connected to the internet, how are you, how are you getting access to this? Now, granted, I guess you could make the argument that if you're not connected to the internet, then chances are you're not pulling down malware, clicking on links and email and stuff like that. So as I'm thinking through it right now, you probably reduced uh, uh, input, but um this is this is pretty cool, but I, I wonder how much load this is going to put on your system, if any, possibly not. It would be interesting to experiment with this in a lab, uh, like run some, like 
put no EDR on Microsoft Windows 11 ver this version and then run things like Redline Info Stealer or you know that that Lockbit 3.0 ransomware or whatever and just see uh, how it works. Now the final thing I'll put out here and this is a prediction. This includes app control enhancements, vulnerable driver protection, enhanced identity protection, simplified password management, etc. Very cool. Um, so the security research community loves it when Microsoft releases new security things because it's almost, in my opinion, it's almost like it's almost like a, a race to see who can do something uh, to bypass or circumvent uh, these security control settings. Get a script to run. Get some type of custom app to run. Get a vulnerable driver exploited. Right. So stay tuned for that. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a daily cyber threat briefing story in the next. I, I, let's give them like. Uh, four to eight weeks before like a news story comes out about you know the new the new hack mark tape mark tape i call it okay TikTok shuts down political monetization ahead of the u.s midterm elections TikTok turned off all advertising and monetization features for politicians and parties on its platform over the coming weeks the platform will ban all campaign fundraising including prohibiting politicians from directing viewers to websites to make donations TikTok said it will use a combination of human review and automated systems to remove calls for political donations. Accounts from governments, politicians, and parties will also need to apply for verification. This doesn't appear to be a temporary shift in advance of the elections, but a new permanent policy for the platform. Interesting. Okay, so they're 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 specifically banning political fundraising. Um, a couple things come to mind. One like okay that like that is gonna hurt some people but at the end of the day like in my opinion at least u.s political fundraising systems the super PACs, right there is a very wealthy one percent in the united states right with deep 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 pockets who are very highly motivated to put certain people in certain positions of power because it benefits them great cash homie right the amount of fundraising that you're getting on a social media platform from, you know, typical consumers of these platforms, I don't think they're like businesses, right? So like, I, I guess I'm just thinking like, what's the real impact? Like, this looks great that TikTok has taken a stand or whatever, but like, if, if you raise like a million dollars or $2 million from donations on a TikTok campaign, that pales in comparison to like the $75 million donation from a anonymous investor, you know, who runs a hedge fund or some crypto giant or something like, you know what I mean? So like, I don't think this is like as impactful as it might sound in my opinion, right? I might be wrong in my opinion. The second thing that I think is interesting is again, TikTok is run by just by Chinese company. China and the United States are kind of in this like, quasi cold it's not a cold war but there's like a very coldness between the two of them you know um and if political campaigns aren't able to raise funds you know maybe certain campaigns aren't able to work so like that not that this is eroding the election process or anything like that but it certainly doesn't help it uh the other thing i would say and is more important to social media platforms tiktok none of this says that they're going to be suppressing political discourse on the platform right so we saw that with censorship on twitter during the 2016 and like all oh, this is like 
uh, paid Russian bots trying to stoke up uh, animosity and pro whatever sentiment. Uh, none of that's here, right? This is just about fundraising. So um, all the things that are really weaponized on these social media platforms um, could still be in play uh, on TikTok, which, by the way, has like 50 plus percent market share of social media consumption in the United States. Simply Cyber's not there because I'm too old and out of touch, so I don't have to use TikTok uh, with any level of efficacy. So, um, so we'll be safe over there. Developer sells, I don't care about cookies. Croatian developer Daniel Kladnik sold the popular browser extension. I don't care about cookies helped users avoid nagging cookie pop-ups by automatically accepting the minimal cookies needed for a site to work. He sold it to the antivirus company Avast. That company appears to be on the verge of being acquired by Broadcom subsidiary Norton LifeLock. Kladnik already released the extension's code as open source, and Dutch developer Goose Vondermeer created a fork for those interested. Interesting. I had not heard about this browser extension. Um, I don't know if anyone has used this, but it's it's really it's really cool, right? So it's really cool, guys. Um, you know, if you ever want to like invent a product that sells and makes money or whatever, all you really have to do is find a pain point of people and write, you know, develop a solution for it. You don't even have to develop it yourself. You could do what Bill Gates did and just buy Microsoft DOS for like nickels and then turn around and sell it to IBM and make, you know, become unbelievably wealthy. Um, not to say Bill Gates didn't earn his money, but that's how Microsoft started. Basically taking someone else's total solution and turning around and licensing it for a ton of money. Now, I don't care about cookies is interesting. How many, like ever since they invented or passed the legislation that you need to accept cookies so you can be tracked and all that, who hasn't gone to a website and been like, ugh, like when the pop-up comes up and like the, the options are stupid too. Like accept all cookies or go through like a, you know, seventh level of hell of configuration to choose which cookies you want. Everybody's choosing accept all cookies, right? Like let's be honest with ourselves. So, it introduces an extra click, an extra pain point. This dude invented a, an extension that basically just clicks the accept all cookies button for you. So way to go. Um, was it Xerox? No, I think Xerox, um, just for fun fact, Steve Jobs stole the the mouse, the concept of the mouse from Xerox. Different group. Uh, but yeah, some of those OG uh, Silicon Valley pioneers um, they basically just had an eye for what was valuable and were able to, not to say they didn't do a lot of great other stuff. Anyways, I don't care about cookies. Very cool, but now it looks like it's going to get bought um, for probably cash money. Great cash, homie. Like, Randy's getting a lot of uh, reps today. Nice job, Randy. Um, but the guy who invented it obviously has privacy concerns. They've already forked it, which, by the way... Um, he already sold it, so he got the money. I would be stunned. I would be stunned. Stunned. If if, I, if the company that bought this did not have some stipulation in the contract that says, this is our intellectual property. You're not allowed to fork it. You're not allowed to do anything with it. Because what value is it if they invent it or if they buy it and then there's an immediate fork that people can continue to use that doesn't compromise privacy, right? So... This is a privacy thing. Um, obviously, guys, it just shows you when some business is willing to spend lots and lots of money, like millions of dollars on something, um, 
that that just basically tracks you and stuff like that. They're only investing that amount of money if they believe that they can make more money with that purchase. Nobody buys anything or invests in anything if they don't think that they're going to be able to make more money than they invested. Otherwise, they would be broke because they would just be losing money permanently. Right, guys? So just this this is kind of like you'd have to go three three levels of Kevin Bacon here uh to really see the privacy implications but that's that's what that is and you know whatever so good stuff all right i think that's it for today this week on defense in depth we're that is today so let's let's drop some uh some jams here since we've got some time let's do this all right so that's going to do it for the daily threat briefing as always we'll spend a few minutes kind of talking about what's coming up got a really busy day today on the streams Guys, this is the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing that we're currently in right now. At noon Eastern time, I will be shoutcasting with Clint Bow Dungeon. Second round hot action between Ken Underhill and Eric Taylor. Uh, Ruthless E and Ken Bot. It's going to be a good match. Both of them played as red uh, in their first round gameplay. Um, we will be... Oh, actually, we don't know who's going to be red and blue. We were supposed to flip a coin yesterday at me and Stacy's match, and our match got rescheduled so stay tuned to find out who's going to be the red team then at 3 p.m eastern time on the simply cyber channel you can come watch me play against stacy loki you can go to stacy loki's channel and watch stacy play as stacy loki or you can go to the threat gen channel and watch both of us play and get expert commentary and analysis of both of our gameplays I'll just, spoiler alert, on the Simply Cyber channel, I'm the red team. I have a aggressive rock playlist and a mindset that I'm going to be bringing in to be a total, you know, anarchist, going, going ham. You know, so it's a good time. So come on over. And then finally, uh, you know, getting our suit and tie on, we'll be inviting Liz Wharton onto the channel at, uh, hold on, that's me just doing a preview, at 4.30. Uh, she's attorney at law. She's chief of staff over at um, Scythe IO, which is Bryson Bort's company. And she, we're going to be talking about avoiding C-suite cyber chaos. So I'm going to be going all the way from like lone wolf hacker guy all the way up into the boardroom uh, with this conversation with Liz. It's going to be an awesome day of activities. I hope you guys can join us for some. Just keep Simply Cyber kind of... Um, it like not on the back burner like maybe on the front left burner like let's be honest like most of us use the front right burner am i right so uh keep that hot action keep simply cyber in hot standby and we'll have a good time uh let me check chat here definitely appreciate all of it hey brent Gary, good to see you my friend good to see you hope you and emerson are good yeah, Jay Smith, guys, if you don't know, when I play as the red team, I have wardrobe changes depending on what my situation qualifies for. If I'm in the hacker studio operating, I got the hoodie with the hacker logo. If I'm going on site, I've got, you know, my clipboard, my blue team stuff. Uh, on Monday, I actually ate a blue lollipop, so my tongue was blue. I just blended in with the production staff. They didn't even notice me, okay? Munchkin wants me to do an emo haircut. I don't know if that's my speed. Uh, yeah, two... 2 p.m. Eastern is Pantera time. 3 p.m. is when the match starts. I will be going live about 10 minutes early so I can properly flip out and get into that mindset of the hacker. Thank you, Jeremiah Gutierrez uh, with TCM and the GRC course. If you guys don't know, uh, Simply Cybers or whatever, Jerry's, whoever, me. <laughs> the GRC Analyst Masterclass is now available on TCM Academy. I did get one of those sweet logos. I am the eagle 
Um, so definitely cool. I want to get a shirt of that logo. Maybe a hat. Do something like that. Yeah, Jay Smith, I could do a filter. I'm not sure if that's what I want to do, though. Um, Megadeth could be in there. I did drop the Simply Cyber Red Team playlist that I will be listening to in chat. It's a it's a Spotify uh, link, so get into that. Hey, Jeremy Williams, good to see you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Tommy Boy. I'm Tommy Boy. Just hacking and whacking in there. Have a good day, everyone. If you got a boogie out, that's fine. I, I'm going to give it two more minutes because I want to take it to uh, 45 past the hour. Hey, Lego Security. Yep, hey, Scott Munoz. Just finished the GRC class. Pure awesomeness. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate the kind words. Hey, Shane Prevost. My pleasure, man. Oh, ringside entrance. Yeah. I, well, I do my own ringside entrance, but I've got, you know, I've got entry music. Hell's Bells by ACDC was pretty well received yesterday in my practice rounds, my exhibition friendlies. Um, Undertaker vibes, right? Have a great day, Lego Security. Good to see you. Have a good day, Nathan Boland. Take care, my friend. Guys. Oh, Casually Joseph, Eric's right. I was unaware that, that they got that sorted out. Greenfield Security Program. All right, security solutions so looks like we're going to do Meme Thursdays with um, Haircut Fish. So there you go, guys. It's official. It is official, official. I love it. I love it. I love it. We got Charles Finfrock coming on in a few weeks, guys. Uh, we're going to do a deep technical analysis around universal surveillance. Um, and it, like the preview that I walked through with Charles is kind of mind-blowing. So... You're going to love it, guys. Hey, Matt McDaniel, you have a great day. Ahmed? Uh, yeah, Ahmed. If you're in the squad, absolutely. Uh, we'll do that. Or mods, if you can give him the squad role, please. BSEC? Oh, BSEC and I are going to do a DJ battle. Perfect, perfect. All right, guys. Looks like it's 1045 Eastern time. I'm going to boogie out of here. Thank you so much for spending uh, a, a bit of your day with me. I hope you got value from the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. If you did, please share it with people in your community. Let them know the good work we're doing over here uh, and how they can get involved. I'll see you guys in an hour uh, as a commentator for Threat Gen Red versus Blue. Cheers, everybody.